Hey, listeners, we're planning something special and we need your help. We want to hear from you. Please leave us a 10 to 30 second voice note about your favorite episode, karyotid, or any lady in the profession who inspires your career and life. To do this, please go to our show notes linked in the description of this episode. Scroll to the bottom and follow the link and instructions to leave your note for us. You might hear yourself on a future episode. Stay tuned. Imagine earning continuing education credits while doing exactly what you're doing right now. Well, you can. Gable Media has revolutionized the way you earn your continuing education credits with a groundbreaking approach. Forget running around town and scouring the internet for credit-worthy courses. Fulfill your CE requirements effortlessly by listening to engaging podcasts just like the one you're listening to now. Our podcasts are designed to educate, entertain, and inspire, all in a user-friendly environment. But wait, there's more. Architects, Gable Media is also approved as an AIA continuing education services provider. Upon completion, we handle everything from reporting your hours directly to the AIA to storing your certificates in your personal Gable Media profile for your self-reporting needs. So follow the link in the show notes and start earning your credits in the most innovative and entertaining way possible with Gable Media. And as you know, with women, a lot of weight is put on our looks. Oh, I... <coughs> I have like nose drip. Mm. Oh, yeah. Post nasal drip. Yeah. Talk about leaks. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> nose be leaking. <laughs> Welcome to She Builds Podcast, where we share stories about women in the design and construction field, one lady at a time. This time, we're having a wild card season, discussing anyone for any reason. <laughs> Today, we're going to learn about Lillian Ann Baumbach, the first woman to be a master plumber in the United States. I'm Nordiri Rivas, celebrating National Microwave Oven Day. That's right. That's a day. <laughs> By heating up some leftovers in Houston, Texas. Uh, okay, so I, when you said microwave day, I feel like you have to say it like that lady says it, microwave. That's the bougie <laughs> way to say it. But anyway, I've never heard that. Oh, well, I'm just I haven't heard that either, but that sounds ridiculous. <laughs> I'll send you guys the clip. Uh, <laughs> I'm Jessica Rogers popping popcorn in the microwave based out of Miami, Florida. <laughs> I'm Lizzie Rar, heating up some leftover enchiladas in the microwave in San Francisco. Mm, yum. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So now it's time for our quick disclaimer. The three of us, we are not historians, nor are we experts on the subject. We're just sharing stories about the information we find. So if we get our facts a little mixed up, please forgive us and send us a comment and we will all continue learning. Let's get this wild show on the road. Woo! The time was January 4th, 1930. The place, Arlington, Virginia. Lillian Ann Bombach was born. She was born into a family of plumbers. Her dad was W.J. Bombach, founder of the company W.J. Bombach Plumbing and Heating. She supposedly was fixing shower drains since she was two years old. <laughs> two? <laughs> I mean... I appreciate her initiative, but I don't know that I'm trusting a drain installed by a toddler. 
Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You I know, don't even know, you know what I, I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Can a child even say drain at two? Just seems kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> she could. Well, her aunt said that one time they were home alone, just her and Lillian, and the shower started acting up. So Lillian snatched up what she called her plumber's friend, which I'm guessing was a plunger, <laughs> and she fixed the clock pipe. <laughs> her plumber's <laughs> friend. Is that what we should all be calling our plungers now? <laughs> <laughs> And also, that seems a little bit more, like, feasible than a two-year-old. I was, like, imagining her with a wrench and pipes and stuff or something. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, this makes more sense. I'm assuming she didn't even have, like, more traditional toys to call her friends. Like, I don't know, a stuffed animal, a rubber duck. (sighs) Also, like, she must have been a strong two-year-old to use a plunger. Or maybe I'm just underestimating toddler strengths. No, it's true. (laughs) Actually, like, I bought this plunger at the dollar store, and it was a little baby plunger. (gasps) I can imagine her using it. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, 10 years later, she's 12. And while other kids are playing with marbles and asking Santa for whatever kids in the 1940s asked for i don't know cards monkeys in a barrel a red rider air rifle you'll shoot your <laughs> eye out <laughs> a, s- a slinky or uh, some shoots and ladders sure i bet you this little girl asked for like a socket wrench or a toilet brush right yeah well jessica jessica was on the right track lillian was asking santa for her first plumber's toolkit and she got it <laughs> actually I don't know if she got it for Christmas, but her wish eventually came true. She got her gift. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so but what is in a plumber's toolkit besides the plunger and like a wrench? I and was that like the toy in the 40s? Like, was that a common toy, like a doctor's kit or a toolkit? You know, were there plumber's kits back then? I don't think Fisher Price was making plumber kits for kids. Right? (laughs) (laughs) But who knows? Yeah, I mean, who knows? I don't know. But to answer your question, Lizzie, about like what's included, like any tradesperson, I'm sure they have their own kit. But like a toy version, I mean, you know. Nah, I think that's a special custom made one for Lillian. Yeah, yeah. Who does that? I know plumbers have their own kit with their supplies, you know. (laughs) Yeah. But what's included, though, is like a hammer, a screwdriver, a mallet, some pliers, a tape measure, an Allen wrench, a handsaw, flashlight. And of course, Lillian's plumber friend, a plunger. (laughs) <laughs> can't forget the plunger that's can't right forget the plunger. <laughs> with her first plumber's kit another big wish came true she officially became her father's apprentice and was employed by the wj bombback company because you know at that time child labor was a thing <laughs> <laughs> including her in the family business and didn't think like, oh, she shouldn't be there because she was a girl, you know? 
Yeah. Yes, agreed. Even though I don't agree with children being employed before they're teenagers, <laughs> I will say that I thought it was pretty awesome that her dad recognized her talent and took her under his wing despite her gender during those times. <laughs> I bet that he was the only guy taking his daughter to the job sites. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, unlike our episode 59 lady, Kate, whose father didn't want their daughters to work. So so go, dad, I guess, for hiring your 12-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> go, dad. <laughs> go, dad. <laughs> and when I say she was employed as an apprentice, I mean it. She went with her dad to all sorts of jobs, flooded basements. You have a plumbing emergency? She was there. Oh, Jeez. wow. I mean, I was going to say that even though she was an apprentice, maybe she wasn't like, you know, in the thick of it. Just like kind of helping out here and there, <laughs> learning what she sees. But it sounds like she's like doing all the things. Very hands on. Yeah. Wow. I mean, she wasn't even doing like paperwork because like, yeah, I will admit when I was 12, I would join my mom at the office, but I was like helping her file papers and stuff or like, or, maybe like doing my case, own thing and just hanging out, pretending like I worked in an office. Like, right? you know, and, then, um, <laughs> and in this case, I would assume that maybe she was just like handing him tools like when. Yeah, he said, exactly. Like, and like observing. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But. You know, it is still shocking, though, because, like, this little girl didn't have a recess. She didn't have, like, you know, regular basic school life. Like, I, that, that's the part. It's like, I hope she graduated. Well, it's just after school. school. After school? Summers? Probably, yeah. I think she was still going to school. Yeah. Okay. She was living Which that Which makes the child labor even... Anyway, okay. So, <laughs> Lillian is awesome. She works her butt off, and as time goes on, she starts climbing up that plumber ladder. She became journeyman and then a service manager. Okay, ladies, I had to look up what that meant because I yeah. had no idea. And mm -hmm. it turns out if you want to be a legit plumber, you start out like Lillian. So you get yourself a good mentor and you become their apprentice. Okay. And then being an apprentice, it means that you should be under someone's supervision all the time. Mm -hmm. You can't do anything on your own. Right. Okay. And you do that for about two to six years. Okay. Got it. Then when you become a journeyman, you are free to journey on out by yourself. You oh. can go to jobs, do your thing, chicken wing, because <gasps> you've proved you have enough plumbing knowledge and experience and you don't need to be supervised like a little spring chicken no more. <laughs> That's such an interesting choice of title. Like, yeah. <laughs> a journeyman or journeywoman in this case. Yeah, I was about to say the same thing. Little Lillian is changing the game with her little journeywoman self. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, she went from journeywoman to service manager. A plumbing service manager is basically the project manager. They lead the plumbing staff. Mm -hmm. So Lillian was leading stuff, running the show, doing all things. No surprise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and she was probably one of the youngest, too. Maybe, yeah. Good point. Now, if you want to get to the top of the plumbing pyramid, you got to become a master plumber. Ooh. A master plumber is like the top of the top of plumbers. To become a master plumber, you have to go through the apprenticeship process become a journeyman or woman or journey person <laughs> and then you're eligible to take a licensing exam and when you pass you're a master plumber 
Who knew there were all these levels for plumbing? Yeah, and a plumber's exam. I mean, we know Lillian killed the plumber's exam and became a master plumber. I mean, we do, but let me tell you. Yes. When Lillian was 21 years old, she took the exam. There were 19 guys taking it. She was the only woman. Mm. Out of 20, only three people passed. Whoa. And Lillian was one of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Lillian didn't just pass. She aced it. And she officially became the first woman licensed master plumber in the United States. Yeah, uh-huh. girl. Get your plumber on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, also, I wonder how hard this exam is. That well, only it sounds three hard if only it. three people passed it. Yeah. Right? What Tell is all this about exam? It. That's hard. <laughs> I mean, I guess I want my plumber to be, you know. True. Top-notch. True, true. Real good. But dang. I don't yes. want any like leaks, you know. As architects, we <laughs> are just so worried about water that I'm like, I don't want any water going anywhere. So. For real. Agreed. But dang. Ladies, Lillian made national news. It was a big deal. Yeah. Everyone all over the country knew of her. They started calling her the pretty plumber because she happened to be very pretty, actually. Okay. And as you know, with women, a lot of weight is put on our looks rather than our achievements. Yeah. One of the sources I was reading made the point that none of the articles written about Lillian made any mention of the attractiveness of her dad or her uncles or the other two men that passed the test. I mean, no one's talking about how pretty the men plumbers are. Just saying. Yeah, I mean, that's not surprising, unfortunately. But I'm really glad that she got such widespread attention that her achievements were recognized by the country. But yeah, I mean, they're not going to comment on the men, of course. Oh, yeah, it's not a shock over here. Even if she wasn't pretty, I'm sure the news outlets would have commented on her appearance because yes. that's just what they focus on when it comes to being a woman. Like even today, like we still face those same issues. But anyway, bravo, Lillian, because the fact that she's getting recognized is huge. It is. But unfortunately, people cared way more about her being pretty than about her dedication to her profession. Mm. Mm. People started writing her letters, mostly men, and not just from the U.S., but from all over the world, Germany, Korea, Australia. Oh, A lot of the letters were men asking her to go out with him, with them, I mean, <laughs> or marry them or to send them photos of her. I oh mean, how gosh. creepy. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> what is that? Okay, let me ask you something. How does this work? How did these men rationalize that? Let me write this random lady. Please send me photos of you. Just because asking for a friend, like, tell me the TF. Uh, (laughs) I I mean, I I will not try to understand the minds of men, especially Mm -hmm. in this time where almost Mm -hmm. none of them thought of women as equals. Like it. It just always amazes me how bold they were and how they thought that was okay. But the yeah, or the the fact that they thought I'm special enough that this lady will surely say yes to my amazing penmanship and vocabulary in this letter and will want to marry me. 
What? Yeah. <laughs> Love at first sight of typography? Yeah, like, like what? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, among that madness, she thankfully got letters from people in general congratulating her for her achievement, mostly women. And also, a lot of people wrote to her asking for plumbing advice. She could have started a YouTube channel or had a HGTV answering the questions show or something like that. That would have been fun Mm -hmm. if she would have been in this day and age. (laughs) Yes, yes. I'm glad to know that there was some happy mail in there, too, and not just like creeper men. Uh, I would also definitely watch her show. Yeah. Okay. So anyone on social media will tell you that there are their fair share. They get their fair share of creepers that have similar insights to like with the letters. But everyone will also tell you that like amongst the sea of creeps, there's these positive messages that makes everything worth it. So I'm glad Lillian got those too. Well, even though YouTube or HGTV did not exist yet, she was on TV because she became so famous overnight. Mm. She was invited to a couple of TV shows, including What's My Line? And she was also interviewed by Walter Cronkite, which was her favorite thing ever. That's so fun. Okay, so... What's My Line was a game show where a panel of celebrities ask a contestant questions to try and figure out what they do for a living. So was she mm-hmm. a contestant? I hope so, because I feel like her profession would have been really unexpected and made yes. her a really good contestant for this because uh-huh. they would not <laughs> expect it to be a plumber, you know? Yeah, I need to look that up. <laughs> I'll let you know in the wrap up. <laughs> but that's probably a good guess. TBD. Yeah. And um, first of all, if she was a contestant or not, just being on that show is a huge deal. Like that was like the American Idol when it was popping style like type of show. And second, um, Walter Cronkite. Okay, despite our young voices, we know, or at least I do, like who Walter Cronkite was. Um. Because Walter Cronkite, he's like a major broadcast journalist from the CBS um, Evening News. Evening News, yeah. Yeah. If you watch broadcast media, like the Evening News or whatever, he is like a legend. And yeah, what's my line? I feel like any celebrity that was alive during that time, they must have done that show. Like Betty White. I'm sure she did it. R.I.P. But uh, what I'm hearing, though, is that Lillian was like a celebrity. That's, That's what I'm getting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She's totally a celebrity. Her media tour did not stop at television. She was also on the radio. She was on the cover of a plumbing magazine (laughs) and wrote an article called Helpful Plumbing Hints for Housewives, spreading (laughs) her knowledge to all the ladies. I love that. (laughs) Self-sufficiency in plumbing. Yes. I love that she's using her platform to help other women. Beautiful. I would have bought her book if she had written one. Oh, yeah. Okay. There's something I want to hear your thoughts on. I've been thinking about this and I don't know. So her beauty to me was kind of a double edged sword or maybe that's not the right expression. But what I mean to say is that while her attractiveness distracted people from what she achieved, it's maybe also the major reason that I could find information about her today. Like if people didn't consider her as beautiful as they did, would there have been so much press written about her or would that information live to this day? I I don't know. Mm. Yeah. 
Ugh, I know what you mean. Unfortunately, you're probably right, which is such a bummer. But at the same time, I mean, I am glad that she was able to become so well known and share her knowledge and possibly inspire other women to go into plumbing or at least not be intimidated by it. I mean, it it stinks to think that that might be the main reason why instead of her actual talent and accomplishments. But I mean, at the same time, if she wasn't as talented or as good at plumbing, even if she was pretty like she wouldn't have gained the notoriety that she did either. So I would guess anyway, but so in some ways, maybe it's both things that pushed her into the spotlight and it was just she became more well known because she was also pretty. I don't know. Yeah, that's tough. That's true, though. Good point, Lizzie. Well, in the midst of all the publicity, Lillian found love oh. in not such a hopeless place. <laughs> in 1948, she met George William Jacobs. I could not find pictures of him, so we cannot discuss his appearance today, even if we wanted to. (laughs) Such a bummer. But that would have been interesting, though. I would hope, though, that he looked like a movie star, you know, but like a like oh, like someone she met on set. I was like, why? Yeah. No, or like (laughs) someone that was just dang good looking, even though if he was like the boy next door. I don't know. Um. But my guess is that he was probably like a regular p- person, not someone that she met yeah. on a TV set or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I know that he was an auto body repair man. And one day he was on a job and passed by her house. And that's all the details I have on how they met. What? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> Did he just like see her through a window or he like passed by her house and said, this house looks nice. Let me marry that lady inside. Or did she see him walking by and like chase him down and say, sir, I must marry you. It sounds a bit like those letters she got. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I just passed by my house. Like, will you marry me? Or was it like that she was outside tending her garden and then he walked by? Like, there's got to be more to this story. And I hope it's more romantic because right now it sounds a little creeper ish. Yeah, I was going to say, like, like I was saying, it's it sounds like the letters when I say it like that, but I'm sure there's exactly. more to the story there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure. And they had a relationship yeah. because yeah. three years later, okay, on September 12, 1951, they were married. So they took their time. They took they got their time. To know okay. Other. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It was love at first sight through the window. <laughs> <laughs> well, now... Mrs. Lillian Ann Jacobs is in the house. (laughs) Congrats to the happy couple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She and William had two kids, Wendy Joy and Lydia Ann Jacobs. Cute, cute. I wonder if she would gift them with plungers, too. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Little toilet brushes for the babies. Always defying convention, (laughs) Lillian didn't get married and become a full-time homemaker like women did during those times because a lot of them had little choice in the matter. But Mm -hmm. she kept working in her father's company. Mm -hmm. She wasn't going on sites as often as she was before, but she started working as a receptionist, a diagnostician, and treasurer. Mostly she was doing cost estimation, so still project managing in a way. Yeah. Mm. Nice. I'm glad that she's still able to find a way to be involved with the business. I would expect nothing less from the toddler who fixed showers. 
<laughs> True. I mean, exactly. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And also, given her celebrity status, I can imagine that she was satisfied with just doing the behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. In 1989, at the age of 59, she was like, I think it's time to rest. And she retired to Smithfield, North Carolina, where I'd like to think that she played bingo and had a relaxing, fun time. (laughs) Yes. Get your bingo on, girl. You know, or sipping some tea in the shade, perhaps, with like some whiskey. Yeah. Perhaps. Perhaps. Six years later, her dear William passed away. Oh, man. So sad. Mm-hmm. And then Lillian passed away on January 31st, 2000 from leukemia. Oh, mm-hmm. she was only 70 years old. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess that's still a good amount of time, but it's still these days, right? It kind of feels young. But I love hearing how she spearheaded plumbing for women. Yes. Yeah. And 2000. I mean, I don't know. It's over 20 years ago, but it still seems like it wasn't that long ago. Yeah. Also, okay. I'm just going to say it. This has got to be like my favorite theme for this season, because how else would we have heard this story? Lillian is awesome. Master (laughs) plumber. (laughs) Yes. Lillian was such a boss. And as I was researching about her, I ran into another group of bosses that I think are worth mentioning today. Before we finish Lillian's story, let's talk about the Women's Auxiliary National Association of Plumbing, Heating, and Cooling Contractors. It's a group that goes all the way back to the 1800s. And when it started, it was made up entirely of men. What? Wait, the Women's Auxiliary Mm -hmm. Association was started only by men? Yes, ma'am. That doesn't make sense. What the what, right? What the what? What the what? (laughs) When it started, it was called the Auxiliary Committee for the National Association of Master Plumbers. And it was a group of men that were a part of the National Association of Master Plumbers that had the task of planning activities for the wives of the master plumbers while the master plumbers had their annual convention. Say what? The wives couldn't even plan their own activities. Men had to do that for them, too. This is so weird because I feel like half the time it's like the women are in charge of planning all their events. This is like a weird reversal. I'm confused. It is. um, But I can also tell you about a couple stories of other organizations that had a similar thing. Like they had a men's conference and then they would have like a separate event for their wives to hang out. But yeah, it's as ridiculous as it sounds. Well, that's what I mean, though. That's normally how it is. But sometimes it's the it's up to the men's organization to plan the event for the women. It's silly. Now, who it it is? It's it's exactly it's as silly as it sounds. Ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, it sounds well-intentioned, I guess. I, I don't sure. know. Okay. Well, but don't call it the women's auxiliary few... group. Like, when there's no women in it. Sorry. <laughs> That's the thing. I think it's more the name of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the anyway. Name. After a few years of that strange arrangement, the men, I don't know, maybe they got bored of doing it and told the women, here you go. Why don't you plan your own thing? Plan your own adventure. <laughs> I guess we can trust you to do that. Oh, geez. So in 1919, the women took charge and turned it into a force of activism. And actually, it's one of the oldest women's organizations in the U.S. 
Mm, See, I like where this is going and I like the energy. Yeah, that's very interesting, too. Just flipping it. Mm -hmm. You see, it turns out that the wives of a lot of the owners of the plumbing companies were running the books Mm. and managing the business with Mm. their husbands, Mm. but behind the scenes. So they started organizing, sharing tips and overall thoughts on the industry. That's right. These ladies knew (laughs) what was up and they were really running the show. Get it right. Getting it right. Love it. (laughs) They were interested in just they weren't interested in just meeting to organize an annual trip. Uh, They were discussing. Mm -hmm. They were discussing and becoming lobbyists on issues from the environment, sanitation and health and labor, including supporting the Family and Medical Leave Act. Wow, that's so great. The Family and Medical Leave Act was signed in 1993, and it's a labor law in the U.S. that requires employers to give their employees at least 12 weeks of leave to care for a new child, care for a seriously Mm -hmm. ill family member, or recover from a serious illness. This allows employees job security. However... This law only requires that they get the time off and have a guaranteed job when they come back. The time is unpaid and it doesn't require the employer to pay the employee for these 12 weeks, which is a bummer. But at least they have the time off. Yeah, it it is really cool to think of that they were a part of this. But yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's still really cool. A big thing the Women's Auxiliary Group did was campaigned to improve bathroom facilities and sanitation. In 1938, they convinced Texaco Gas to level up the bathrooms in their gas stations. I'm afraid to ask what the status of the bathrooms was before they asked. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, I can only that, imagine what they That just makes me nervous. Like. Yeah. It's scary. It's yeah. scary stuff. Because I'm like only gas have, station oh. bathrooms are they're not at the top of my bathroom list, so I'm I'm worried. <laughs> yeah, like what did they look like before there were standards? Exactly. Mexico <laughs> <laughs> was like, "Yo, we onto something here," and they started advertising their five star <laughs> bathrooms, and then other companies started doing it too. I like that it became a selling point, which caused other businesses to want to do the same thing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'll tell you, here in Texas, we have this place called Bucky's. And it's got a cult following, including yours truly. Mm. Like, part of the highlight of a road trip is to go to Bucky's. Remember, Jessica, when I picked you up in Austin and I told you that part of the things we would do from Austin to Houston would be to visit Bucky's? (laughs) Yes. It was a must pit stop and it's huge and they had great snacks. But now I kind of wish I went to their bathrooms to check it out. (laughs) Yes, it is. So it's this big gas station slash convenience store that has like a hundred bathrooms and they're all clean 99.9% of the time. (laughs) And you go in there to use the bathroom and then you end up spending money on all sorts of Bucky's advertising stuff because the logo's super cute. It's like the super cute beaver. <laughs> yeah. But the big draw and the reason I'm telling you all this is because the the reason you go to Bucky's is to go use the toilet, really. And then <laughs> you do more things. <laughs> but 
It's always a good place to pee that's not gross. Like, you know, you're going to have a good peeing experience there. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I love that the toilets are the draw. Came for the toilets, stayed for the amenities. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So going back to the auxiliary. (laughs) (laughs) This is such a weird transition. (laughs) Talking about toilets again. (laughs) Sponsored by Bucky's. Sponsored but not, not sponsored. Really. Sponsor us, Bucky's though. That would be great. No, I know. Yeah, they joking. have really good spice no- nuts <laughs> or whatever, like the cinnamon like nuts that they have. Like I remember that's what I got. Like they're a little like mm, thing. Yeah, yeah. But also go to the bathroom, stay for the nuts. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, the auxiliary also campaigned to restaurants and grocery stores, which sometimes had no sanitary facilities available. Mm. Okay. What? For starters, mm. yeah, to get some proper bathrooms and then keep it clean with all the proper things needed in there, like enough toilets and sinks. That's the things that they were lobbying for. But can you imagine going mm-hmm. to a restaurant? And finding out that there's nowhere to wash your hands? I mean, that sounds disgusting to me. Ew. Ew, ew, ew. Yeah, that's a no-go for me. I had no idea we had a plumber's association to thank for this. Yes, thank you. (laughs) Yes, thank you so much, Women's Auxiliary Committee for the National Association of Master Plumbers for making the present a less gross place to live. Here, here. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much. The organization is still going strong today. Today, they're actually part of the Plumbing, Heating, Cooling Contractors National Auxiliary, and they raise money for scholarships across the country and all sorts of social causes. Love it. Who knew? And another cool thing, in 2013, the Smithsonian's National Museum of American History acquired the records of the PHCC National Auxiliary, and now those live in the Archives Center for Research and Historical Documentation. Mm. There's a nice video of pictures that I'm going to add to the show notes. I'm going to add a link to that so you can see it. So check out our show notes, everybody. Oh, yeah, I definitely would like to check that out. Yeah. Wow, I never thought I'd be so interested to learn about plumbing, but I'm really glad <laughs> that you told us about Lillian and the Auxiliary Committee. Thank you, Nurgity. Yeah. You're welcome. I'm really happy that you enjoyed it. Normally, now would be a carry to time, but today we have a sponsor. <gasps> Woo! Yeah, yeah. Hey! Today's episode is supported by the Travel by Design podcast, an original podcast from Marriott Bonvoy Traveler. It's hosted by the architectural critic Hamish Kilburn, and he goes behind the scenes and interviews architects and designers at every stage of luxury hotels to connect listeners to truly unique travel experiences. You guys already know how I feel about fabulosity. (laughs) But the show... (laughs) It's so soothing. It's it's inspiring. I love this show. It really is. I listened to the episode called Budapest, Become Royalty at the Matilde Palace, a luxury <laughs> collection hotel. And I was so captivated by the way they described the architecture of this hotel. Like Jessica said, fabulosity. Mm-hmm. It was fascinating. It is. 
And I like how they go into detail of like the different challenges that they come across, whether it was like a historical accuracy, materiality. They spill all the tea that us designers want to know. I love it. In the episode, Hamish has a conversation with the interior designer of the hotel, Maria Katsaru Vafiadi. And I gotta say, future episode alert. Actually, no, no. Future carrot hit alert. <laughs> She's still alive. <laughs> Doing her thing, chicka wing. <laughs> the way she describes her thought process behind every decision her firm made, her inspiration, it was, everything was inspiring. It made me think about why as architects, we do what we do and why it's so important that we do it. Yes, we talk about arc ventures all the time. And with every episode that I listen to, I can't wait to add the places that they mention on this show to our list. With every episode, they just entice you to go visit. So cool. Totally. Everybody, search for Travel by Design in your podcast player. We'll also include a link on the show notes. Yes. And thank you to Travel by Design for your support of our show. Okay, now I'm ready to share who our Karyatid is today. But first, take it away, Lizzie. A Karyatid is a stone carving of a woman used as a column or a pillar to support the structure of a Greek or Greek-style building. Each episode, we'll choose a Karyatid, a woman who is working today, furthering the profession through their work, and who ties into the historical woman of our episode. This week's Karyatid is... Megan Weston Jessel. Megan. Yeah. Megan Weston Jessel is a plumbing apprentice in Canada, and she, like Lillian, is all about educating the public about all things plumbing. Megan stood out to me because of her mission to raise awareness on water quality. I love this already. Yeah, very cool. The Ontario Building and Construction Tradeswomen Organization featured her in their series, Working Tradeswomen Wednesday. Doesn't that sound cool? Mm. <laughs> yeah, it does. Shining a light on her work and her path. On the feature, Megan said, I gave plumbing a chance. And honestly, it has been the best decision because there are endless opportunities in this field. Give plumbing a chance, people! <laughs> I love it. I never would have thought about this for plumbing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She is very active on social media. You can find her and follow her on Instagram as Water Plumber Girl. I actually spent a while listening to her videos discussing the dangers of lead pipe poisoning on our water supply. And <laughs> she also posts videos of her just doing plumber things. I saw her installing a bathtub and shower balls and she just looks so badass working with her tools, cutting and installing things, screwing things to studs, just really badass. <laughs> it sounds amazing. I can't wait to look her up and learn more about plumbing. For real. I love the education aspect of it too. Yeah. And it's also empowering to see a woman in trade, especially yeah. for me, mm -hmm. who barely encounters them on job sites. Mm -hmm. yeah. So when I get to see them doing their job like a boss, it feels really great. 
I like that Megan is working really hard to raise awareness and to show other girls and women out there what they can do and all the endless opportunities that exist for them. Yes, we need people like her in these types of professions and trades where there's so few women so that she can inspire Mm -hmm. girls to want to work in plumbing and be badasses just like her. Exactly. This is why representation matters. I love that we find other women and folks doing what we do, raising awareness for a more equitable future. Love it. I want to say this karyotid was a listener suggestion from Darcy Spiteri, who is also... I'm sorry I keep saying this word, but there's no other word. Badass tradeswoman active on social media. (laughs) Her handle is Sparks to Sparkles. She is a certified welder and electrical apprentice. And she is also looking to inspire the next generation of tradespeople. So thank you, Darcy, for your suggestion and all you do. (laughs) Thank you, Darcy. We love listener suggestions. Yes, love to see it. Before we say... See you later, alligators. We want to say thank you to CMYK for the music, John W., our technical producer, and most of all, thanks to all of you for listening. We also want to give a special shout out to AMPM Plumbing, ANW Plumbing and Heating, and the PHCC and the Smithsonian Magazine for the information that I shared today about Lillian and the Women's Auxiliary NAPHCC. They made this episode possible. So thank you. Remember to check out our show notes for links to all of our resources on this episode, as well as pictures of the projects that we've talked about. We hope you enjoyed learning about Lillian and Megan along with our banter and that you are inspired to find out more about them and other amazing professional ladies. Again, thank you. She Builds Podcast is a member of the Gable Media Podcast Network. Gable Media is curated thought leadership for an audience dedicated to building a better world. So listen and subscribe to all of the shows at GableMedia.com. That's G-A-B-L Media.com. Please let us know what you thought of our episode. If you've enjoyed it, please help us spread the word. Tell your friends, your plumbers, all of your tradespeople, anyone associated with plumbing, people who have toilets, tell them. Give us five stars (laughs) on iTunes and Spotify and write us a review. This will all help us reach a wider audience and for more people to learn about these amazing ladies with us. We're excited to hear from you and for you to come back and keep learning about women bosses with us. You can email us your thoughts at shebuildspodcast at gmail.com, leave a comment on our website, shebuildspodcast.com, or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at shebuildspodcast and on Twitter at shebuildspod. All right. See you soon, raccoons. Bye. Bye. People with toilets. A Christmas story, Nergity. Yeah. You'll shoot your eye yeah, normal kids' toys, oh. but this girl asks for a toilet brush. I've never seen that movie. What? I've no, watched is that it the one where he sticks his tongue on, on the, the pole? Thing? Yeah. yeah. I know of it, but I've never seen it. Oh. They're also going to come out with a sequel this year. <laughs> the Leg Lamp. Oh. The Leg Lamp. Leg Lamp. <laughs> anyway. Hey there, architecture enthusiast, Nikita Reed here, inviting you on an incredible journey through time and space with my podcast, Tangible Remnants. Historic preservation and sustainability 
Let's go ahead right now and debunk the myth that they are opposites. In fact, they are two sides of the same coin, shaping our collective future. In a work environment, it has been challenging because I've had to probably do more than double just to make sure that I quote unquote fit in. But the environments that have allowed me to do me on the front end, I've been extremely successful. You look at all these PhDs, they've built that on the backs of our elders. Absolutely. They consider themselves to be experts at is what they've worked with us to achieve. I know we have to. We have to prioritize people before products and before place. Join me as we unravel the stories of historic buildings shaped by the people of a specific era and often influenced by race and gender. These tangible remnants are windows into our past and guideposts for the future. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe now to Tangible Remnants. Let's explore the interconnectedness of architecture, preservation, sustainability, race, and gender.